Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Clear Skies, our Star Trek RPG live play. How is everyone doing? It's good to see the crew of the Ross. It's only been like a little over a week and a half, and it feels like it's been forever. Woo! It's been a long road. <laughs> it's been a long road. Um, Bonnie's snort laugh is literally causing the universe to come down around her, and it's hilarious. Um, you know how many y'all have missed? Be, by my mic being muted whenever no, things insanity ensues. I know. So I mean, we, look, we've already established that this pandemic is a crime. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, making up for lost time. Um, so it's good to be back, everybody. It's good to be back in our old uh, Federation uniforms. Um, thank you so much to everyone who tuned in for our very first episode of Blood of the Void. Um, we had a great start off. Um, and of course, thank you so much to everybody who joined us for the Day of Honor, which was a huge success. Uh, thank you, Jake. I know you're out there in the ether right now, floating amongst uh, all of the uh, stars. And uh, thank you so much for all the hard work that Q Times did to help put that together for Eagle Moss and Star Trek Online and Modiphius and us. Um, it was pretty amazing. The, the talent that we had on the... Uh, on the Day of Honor event is pretty outstanding. Uh, Elisa's panel was, uh, I was just gobsmacked by the level of talent they had on that one. And of course, watching uh, JG and uh, Robert O'Reilly riff on each other, I mean, there could be, th those two old guys just, they, they are hilarious to watch together. So watching Galron and Martok just, just banter back and forth is pretty amazing. Um, that is going to be available. Is that, Jake, um, if I can bug you real quick, is that up on YouTube now or is that available? It will be, it's being edited while you guys are streaming tonight. So it's uh, it's going to be, hopefully be up during the week. Nice. And there you have it. Um, thank you, Jake. Thank you, Omnipotent Voice, wherever you are. Um, so uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that. Um, and uh, that's really all I had for the announcements tonight. Um, so I'm going to start passing this down the row here. Let's hear, I feel like, I feel like Xander wants to say something. I'm getting the impression there's a Xander. Yes? I do. Uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be doing uh, what's called Founders and Legends 3. It's a D&D campaign. Uh, we're playing level 20 characters. Uh, for my game, B-Dave is running it as Dungeon Master. It'll be twitch.tv slash realmsmith this Saturday, uh, 9 a.m. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, brought to you by Sirenscape and Idle Champions. I'm very excited for it. I'm also right doing on. one, but I don't know any of the details. And it's also at 9 a.m. And I don't know. We're not in the same game, I don't think. Nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you'll have to fight over which bar to watch. Great announcement, Bonnie. Yeah, look, I look, I I don't even I need a planner. And then um and then we have something to announce for San Diego Comic Con's online stuff as well, but I don't have that either. So yes, I'll Keep an eye out for SDCC at home. Uh, both of us participated in a panel, I think I can say, with uh, Luke Gygax, uh, who's the son of Gary Gygax, who was one of the creators of Dungeons and Dragons. So we played uh, some first edition D&D Tomb of Horrors uh, for SDCC at home. Oh, God. Nice. Um, I can go ahead and add to that and tell everybody that I'm going to be on a panel for Gen Con as well. Um, I'm doing a panel with Hyper RPG talking about playing in other people's sandboxes, specifically what it's like running games on the internet um, that are based in major television IPs. You mean SDCC? <laughs> What's this? Did you, mean, did you mean SDCC or Gen Con? No, this is Gen Con. This is a Gen oh. Con live panel. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I thought yeah, you yeah. meant this is This is after. Um, and that's all I got. What, 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 anybody else? Anybody else got anything? No? Really? 
Oh my god. It's I like, mean, just I my see. usual. I, I do lots of streams all over the place and you can find my schedule on my personal Twitch stream where I have a stream tomorrow at 9.30 where I will drink tea and talk with all of you. Yep. Uh, okay. I think that's everything. I d oh, yes. Yes, Sam. Look, I know you're frustrated that I always have announcements at the end, but <sighs> I just did like it's been, three years now, Sam. Three years. It's been a been more than a week. It's been since a long I road. Nice with you. It's been a I long road. Getting get there to, to here. No, I'm gonna roll right over that. Okay. Because that's what I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> I get to roll dice with you again after two weeks, and that's too long. And I'm Ooh. excited. Okay. Fine. If you're gonna be charming about this, we can Ooh. go ahead and start tonight's episode of Clear Skies. And we're back. Um, let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. When we last left off, the crew of the USS Ross had just completed what could very, and a, and a big understatement would be described as a harrowing mission that felt oddly off the books, which is not in keeping with the missions that the USS Ross was intended for. This was a mission that had a lot of questions about where it was coming from and how legit it was. Starfleet Command ordered the USS Ross to report to Starbase 105. While there, they were surprised with an envoy from the Dominion with a mission to capture a changeling that was still operating within the uh, just outside the boundaries of Klingon Federation territory. In a neutral world, it was a hidden pirate planet that had been looked that the Federation had been looking for since the onset of the Dominion War. What they discovered was the last bastion, the, some of the crumbling remains of the Orion Crime Syndicate that had the Syndicate, of course, having self-destructed during the Dominion War after it was discovered that a changeling had infiltrated and manipulated the leaders of the Orion Syndicate against one another. The Syndicate has since fallen into disarray, a bunch of petty crime lords warring with each other. A lot of espionage, a lot of double play. Y'all managed to bag yourselves a changeling. Um, after a lot of back and forth, a lot of stink, a lot of really clever roles and plays on the part of the crew of the USS Ross, you managed to stay one step ahead of a founder who thought they had the upper hand on you. Turns out 
they underestimated solids once again. You've also managed to gain an ally in the Dominion. It's been it's been a very unusual it's been a very unusual friendship um, that has formed between you and Ikat Itlan, who is the first. Um, the first who promptly disintegrated the second in a moment of ambush um, after swiping a Starfleet phaser, setting it to kill and vaporizing his, his fellow officer in a blink of an eye and helped you capture the founder as ordered by founder Odo. Where we are picking up tonight's episode is shortly after the events that wrapped up the previous episode because the capture of the changeling, everything laid into play what you discovered by the by the end of that our last episode was that there is a greater threat out there right now and it finally revealed its face a romulan who apparently has been hunting the uss ross and is aware of dr wellix not only is he aware of dr wellix but he's aware of dr wellix's original romulan name sorex and is aware that this romulan agent who has taken on this new identity is based somewhere on the Ross. He threatened to blow the Ross out of the stars very calmly, um, quickly, in a mad dash. You managed to get on board of a shuttle with the changeling in tow and get back onto the USS Ross. And, oh boy, did you burn the stars as you warped the hell out of there at warp 9.8, maximum warp warp burning down nine points of power and leaping into warp speed interestingly enough from the moment the shuttle departed the planet to the moment it docked to the moment the ross got the hell out of dodge there was no sign of this romulan the supposed romulan attacker there was no appearance there was just the threat the ross jumped to warp with no interference we begin tonight's game with the USS Ross having just completed docking procedures at Starbase 105. The scene is going to open tonight with both Commander Exio and Captain Azarisal beaming onto the transporter pad of Starbase 105 for a debriefing with Admiral Mestis. You do have currently a Dominion uh, you you currently have a Dominion Jim Hadar soldier in tow with you, who has also been asked to report along with the Vorda envoy, who has been uh, uh, purple with fury as to how everything went down, and the idea that one of his founders is currently being held in what he has called a jar but it is in fact a containment a containment unit that you have all constructed, having stolen, stolen, acquired plans from the Obsidian Order after some brilliant engineering from uh, Chief Tech and Lieutenant Lacat. Um, Y'all managed to get that done. Moving off the transporter pad, senior staff with the Dominion Envoy in tow and a security escort leading you all into the Admiral's quarters. You were all being looked at by Starfleet staff who was going about their day, 
data pads having conversations, a few laughs here and there as people are kind of joking about their duty shifts. Conversations come to a stop and to the point where only the overhead loudspeakers can be heard over the starbase of people communicating back and forth. Administration constantly giving uh, shuttle updates, uh, docking procedure updates, typical typical fare that you hear in a star in a space dock of this busy that's as busy as this one. But conversations on the promenade come to a dead stop as a Vorta, a Jim Hadar, and two Starfleet senior officers walk through the promenade with flanked by Starfleet office by Starfleet security, headed straight towards the Admiral's quarters. Entering into the quarters, you are it's it, the Admiral's expecting you, so you're shown directly into the office. You enter, of course, into the into the Admiral's office. It is as I described before, you can see uh, the great windows of the space dock reaching from uh, floor to ceiling. This is meant to be a meeting area for the brass as much as it is as an office for this particular admiral. Admiral Mestis, if you remember, is a Saurian admiral. Um, he has been ornery since this whole mission began. He has been angry on behalf of the USS Ross. He has been furious about the supposed question now, the, the questionable nature in which the orders have been given. Um, as you all enter, you see he has a little bit more of an even tone on his face, and that's not unusual for a Saurian. They're known to express themselves largely through their eyes and their eye dilation. Saurians usually have body posture in their eyes, kind of giving away their state of mood. Um, however, the holographic projection uh, transmission of Admiral Nollis Reed that is standing next to his desk captures your attention as well. Um, the Admiral uh, currently being live fed into the office as you all enter. It's kind of a jarring thing to see him standing there, particularly because now that you're back in Federation space, a secure channel is very is completely viable, and the quality of the transmission coming through subspace is quite brilliant, almost giving Admiral Reed the image of as though he was standing in the room with all of you as you enter. Um, stepping into the room, the doors close behind you, and the Saurian Admiral raises his hands, these long fingers, and... Mestis says, wait outside, please. The Starfleet officers stand at attention and then turn. One of them kind of gives you a, a glance, Captain Saul, almost as if to say, we're not far, <laughs> um, as he steps out of the room. After the doors close, Mestis regards all of you and says, this is going to be the most unusual debriefing of my career. Please come in, have a seat. Um, they he motions to the to the comfortable looking sofas that are surrounding, on top of this beautiful, comfortable carpeted uh, image of the United Federation of Planets insignia on the floor. Can I have my yeoman bring you anything? I'm well and prepared to begin. Thank you, Admiral. I would like to begin. And at that point, the Vorta pushes past you, Captain Sull, all five feet of him, and takes the front of this, this uh, entourage and says, I protest, Admiral. The Dominion was sent here under good faith that the changeling founder would be delivered safely back to the Dominion under our care. And instead, you have imprisoned her. This is not entirely accurate. Iklan immediately speaks up and the Vorta whirls on him in a fury and says, silence, I will have you executed the moment we return to the Gamma Quadrant. 
obediently, the first quiets. The Vorda turns back and immediately, as he's about to open his mouth, Admiral Nollis Ree speaks up from subspace and says, yes, I'm sure you're going to have plenty of opportunity to voice your displeasure, puff up your chest and impress everyone in the room with the power of the dominion behind you. But the truth of the matter is, Vorta, is that your founder is in that containment unit. And as of right now, from what I understand from this debrief report from Captain Azari Sol, you're in no position to puff up your chest. I suggest you sit down and remain quiet while we have while we wrap up our affairs. It will go much smoother that way and you can get your way back to the Gamma Quadrant. The Vorta glances back at the Jim Hadar, who doesn't meet his eyes. He looks at you, Captain Saul, and for a moment he just kind of scans the room like he's memorizing everyone's face, like he's like he's building a revenge list. It's this it's this impotent anger you just see just gripping his features. Um, those lavender eyes burning a hole into the eyes of Admiral Mestis. Mestis looks completely unfazed in a way that a reptilian-based life form only could. <laughs> it just sits there very comfortably looking at the Vorta. And then, like an angry five-year-old, sits, plops down on the chair quietly. Re turns to you, Captain Sol, and says, Captain, it's good to see you. I've received your report. I'd like to hear anything you have to say before we engage in a Starfleet debrief. Is there anything that you would like to say to us personally that was not included in the report? I believe everything that I have in the report reflects my best memory and recollection of the events as validated by my fellow crew and the data we have available to us. If you have any further questions, I'm of course happy to clarify, Admiral. No further questions, but I am going to recommend an official accommodation for Commander Exio and the performance of her duties during this mission. Commander Exio, I regret the tone I took with you the last time we spoke. It doesn't give me any pleasure to admit that I was abrasive. You are a fine officer and well worthy of the three pips that you have rightly earned on your own merits. And the service you provided to Starfleet is above and beyond the call of duty. And I thank you on behalf of Starfleet Command. I accept your apology, and I offer my own. I spoke out of turn, purposely so, but nonetheless. I did so without concern for my rank or respect to you, and I apologize. You see an expression on Ree's face that you've seen many times, Captain Sull. Um, it's the it's the look that Ree gets every time he has encountered what he liked to jokingly call a problem officer when the two of you worked together. It's the look he gets when every time he's ever had this expression on his face, it's a moment where he's acknowledging someone's merit, to be, to be blunt. Um, you've seen that look before. He's given it to you many a time. Um, he turns then and looks at the Vorta and says, if there is nothing else, 
your transport back to the Dominion has been arranged, and you and your first are to return immediately under escort. And the Vorta, at that point, you see he kind of glances back and forth, once again, kind of like casting his gaze across the room. And Nadrin rises again and says, I believe we arranged an independent transport. Yes, the Ferengi. He has not been seen, and we do not have time to wait for him. Ah. Very well. I shall show myself out then. Very good. You will be escorted to the docking bay where a shuttle is waiting you to take you to the ship that will return you to the Gamma Quadrant, along with your founder. If there's nothing else, I trust your government will keep its end of the bargain. Of course. Good. And that'll be all, Nadron. Send our regards to Founder Odo. It was good to hear from him. And with that, the Vorda pauses and looks at you, Captain Saul, and says, Captain Saul, what an experience this has been. I so look forward to meeting you again. I am sure your founders will direct you as you might best serve them. Please extend my appreciation to Ambassador Olin Marginil. I found our conversations to be a pleasant reminder of how far Starfleet has to go. I'm sure they feel likewise. And the smile drops and he exits. As he's exiting, first, the first Jem'Hadar pauses and looks at you, Captain, and says, I will be executed when I return to the Dominion. I have no problems with this. I want you to know that it was educational, Captain. Legally, you do have the right to request asylum in the Federation. My life belongs to the Founders. The Vorta are the voice of the Founders. I shall live and die as intended. My life is theirs. It was an honor preserving with you. There's a long pause. An unusual hesitation from a creature of action. From first Ikat Itlan. And you see, as he musters the will, the words to say what he says next. It was a worthy defeat, losing to the Federation. And with that, he turns on his heel and gives a quick nod to you, Commander Exio. And you watch this seven-foot Vorta, heavily thudding as he exits to presumably his death. 
And at about that point, Ree speaks up and says that Jim Hadar will not be executed. <clears throat> Sir? How do you know such a thing? Because according to reports that Vorta, by her own admission, Captain, was attempting to side with the founder that he was sent there to capture. It's far more likely that the founders of the Great Link will find him in contempt and not first in this matter. But we can only predict. I have a feeling that that might be the last time you see that particular Vorta clone, if what we know about the Dominion is correct. Let us hope they follow that sense of justice. Well, with Odo having rejoined the Great Link, we certainly never thought we were going to hear from him again. There have been things happening within the Dominion that are interesting. Changes, but nothing that we can confirm. The Gamma Quadrant being a place we don't like to go into unless we have to. Uh, but uh, before I go on, um, Admiral Ree, Ree um, says, yes, thank you. Um, you don't mind if I take the room to speak to my officers, do you? No, no, not at all. And with that, Mestis stands up and looks at the two of you and just says, fine work, the both of you. Truly, well done and walks past the two of you. And the door closes, and now you're alone, completely alone with this projected image of Admiral Nullis Ree. The Benzite has that facial tick where he just kind of, you see a softening of the features as like he's about to speak. He drops sort of the exactitude that he always has around you, Captain Sol, and says, well, I, I know you have some questions. This was not an easy mission, and I certainly had no pleasure in giving you and the USS Ross the directives that I gave you. So I have managed to convince my superiors in Starfleet Intelligence that it would be in the best interest to keep the captain of the USS Ross as informed as we can within the limits of our intelligence inquiries. So. What would you like to know? Why send me in without briefing about how blown my cover was? Because, Captain Sol, we didn't know how blown your cover was. To be blunt, Starfleet intelligence is stretched as thin as it has been since the beginning days of the Dominion War. With reconstruction taking place and all of the unrest on the borders of the Romulan neutral zone, Starfleet Intelligence deemed the Orion Crime Syndicate to be a non-problem. It was believed that after the Dominion War that they were in priority at the bottom of that list. I, of course, disagreed with that assessment, but I am overruled. 
something has to be lowest priority in intelligence, I suppose. And there is clearly plenty happening. So you thought that the Ross and its crew would have been a particular asset. You didn't send us in with expectation of the liability. I sent you in because you were the greatest asset we had to complete this mission. You knew the infrastructure. You were the most talented intelligence officer I ever had. And this is literally, Captain Sol, the culmination of your year's work bringing down the Orion Syndicate. Not only did I think this was an opportunity for you to complete a mission that I know has eaten you alive since you've had to leave it behind, but it's because you were the best piece on the chessboard for the job. I believe it was the commander here who ultimately fulfilled that role. I have noted it. Yes, your role, Commander Exio. Truly, well done. I'm going to bring you in a little bit on some of the things that are developing. Because it's important to me, not only as an admiral in Starfleet who needs the trust of their officers, but in hopes that I can to be blunt, repair some of the rift that has formed between us since this mission was given. Frankly, I knew this day would come, Azri. You're on the outside now. It means you've become an asset to Starfleet Intelligence, and I know you understand that. And you know that I have superiors that I have to answer to. But there is one thing I want to speak to. I read your annotations about the orders from Captain Janeway. I wanted you to know that I was not part of that and that we too noticed them. I can't say more than that. Suffice to say that the initiation of this mission is currently being investigated by internal affairs in Starfleet intelligence. Unfortunately, I can't say, even on a secured line, I can't say more than that. I have information on the Romulan you encountered. We never saw him again after we went to warp with Mukhar. The images that you were able to send back using the device that he left you. We have indemnified him as Admiral Mindak. He is a Romulan of reputation. The Federation has had encounters with him before. In fact, he is principally responsible for one of the most spectacular embarrassments that Starfleet intelligence has ever experienced and is one of the principal architects for one of our most disastrous intelligence breaches we've ever had. 
He is not. I'm sure you'll forgive me about saying something. At the level of which the deep cover operative that he engaged in. I can send the file to you if you'd like to see it. Please. Under the guise of a Vulcan ambassador, there was a deep cover operative in Starfleet Intelligence and Starfleet Command that spent years gathering data from us. This was just shortly before the Dominion War, shortly before the second Borg invasion. The damages done to our intelligence community was extraordinary, but we have since recovered. He has not been heard from since, and his rather sudden appearance and high interest in Dr. Wellick's why I have recommended to Starfleet Command that we remove Wellex from the USS Ross immediately and put him into the protection of Starfleet intelligence so that he may live out the rest of his days as comfortable as possible. Sir, I must formally disagree with that recommendation. You see a genuine look of surprise on the Admiral's face. You disagree? I you, believe you, you seemed very against having him on the Ross to begin with. What's changed? I believe he can be an asset and more so in the field with us. Furthermore, sir, given the circumstances with various internal investigations, I would want to be mindful of where such assets go, and with whom. I see. Hmm. What is his current medical state? Our doctor's been studying it extensively. We're seeing minor luck preventing further destabilization, but from all of the reports she's given, we might be near some circumstances that would allow for a breakthrough. This group has months of familiarity with the case and would be in a much better position to assist him medically. Leaving aside the benefits purely on a humanitarian level of continuity of care with a trusted physician. Azuri, when you took this command, it was to get away from this. I dragged you back into it once. If we leave Wellix on your ship, Mindak will continue to hunt the USS Ross. That is an unfortunate consequence of doing my duty as best I see it, sir. And what are your thoughts on this, Commander? I have gotten to work quite closely with him alongside our excellent doctor, and I agree with that, with the captain. Incredible strides have been taken, and
I don't see this continued work with him as a intelligence opportunity for my captain. They want to be on a science vessel, and what we are accomplishing with him is incredible science, sir. Are you sure about this, Azri? The blue eyes of Admiral Nullis fall back to you, Captain, and you see genuine concern in his face. He just waits a beat before he picks up the rest of the sentence, saying, Intelligence doesn't know what is happening, but we believe the Romulans have a new weapon and that Mindak has it at his command. So I need you to know that. And I need you to look me in the eyes and tell me, this is what you want. If you say yes, I will pull the necessary strings to keep Wellex where he is. This is the right thing to do, Nullis. Very well. I will make a recommendation to Starfleet Intelligence immediately. That's... It is in our strategic interests to keep Dr. Wellix moving. There is one other issue to bring up. If Admiral Mindak is aware, however possible it is, that if he is truly aware that Sorex, or Dr. Wellix as we know him, is alive, You might consider the responsibility of whether or not to tell Dr. Wellix is now on your shoulders. If I remember correctly, the entire purpose of taking on a new identity and hiding was to protect his family. If it is true that elements within the Romulan Star Empire are aware that he is alive, we can only speculate. but I leave that to you and trust in your judgment, Captain. The USS Ross is going to be ordered to return to the Shackleton Expanse to continue exploration and diplomatic duties as she was intended to. And I have also, barring some other order from up on high, insisted that the USS Ross no longer be considered as an asset for intelligence operations moving forward. As it turns out, Admiral April Ebert has already put in this request and... She is a very angry admiral. I feel comfortable knowing the Ross is serving under her command. What you do best is what you did with the Tashashians, Captain. The work that you and the crew of the Ross has done here is exemplary. But where you truly shine was bringing our messages of hope and friendship out into the great unexplored Shackleton Expanse, seeking out strange new worlds. It's what Starfleet needs right now more than ever. I just hope the shadow of Admiral Mindak doesn't
Never mind. I am ordering the USS Ross to return to Narendra Station within two weeks. Yes, sir. Commander will have to get those orders processed. Get the crew ready. Indeed, Captain. Until then, please send my congratulations to the crew of the USS Ross. Well done. Thank you, sir. Please do keep me apprised of the follow-up of all this. Like you say, it's personal. It'd be good to know it was taken care of, and I want to make sure all of those loose ends, like those Dominion weapons the Syndicate had, all of it is addressed and followed up, if not by the Ross. Well, to speak to that, I can tell you that the Dominion weapons are not what concern us. Polaron weapons entering into the Alpha and Beta Quadrants has been something that is an unfortunate side effect of the war with Dominion. However, it's their beaming technology that concerns us. Particularly the report you gave about the Nausicans who were able to get inside the Ross and move about. Also, the reports of the Romulans who were able to beam down onto the planet. Those are of the highest concern with us. But now that we know the location of the Pirate Haven, you can be assured that we will be taking an extra long look in their direction moving forward. And I get the impression they know that. Long range sensors have indicated as much. So it hated the smart thing. Well. If there's nothing else. I have one final question, sir. Of course, Commander. You mentioned a new weapon. As we have yes. two weeks to prepare, can you give us any information so I can pass it along to my crew members to better prepare ourselves for the mission we have taken on? Only stipulations. We are currently... He glances over at you, Captain Saul. And then he glances back at you, Commander, and says, We are currently working in cooperation with Klingon intelligence. There is unrest on the borders of the Romulan Star Empire, as you know. Starfleet intelligence and Klingon intelligence believe that currently there is a high probability of a Romulan civil war. The weapon, we believe, has fallen into the hands that are loyalists to the Imperial Romulan Star. I should put this another way. We believe that there are loyalists to the newly headed Tal Shiar, one Admiral Sela. And we believe these are the loyalists who are causing a threat. The weapon in question, Commander, we don't know. But we do know that about six months ago, 
A Klingon warship uncovered a plot by Nausicaan raiders to raid the database of a certain star base within their borders regarding technology that apparently had been thought to be lost. I can only give you supposition, and I don't want to be an alarmist. I'm only following where my intuitions take me. If my suspicions are correct, Captain Sull, it's entirely possible there is a warbird out there that can fire while cloaked. But wasn't if, that the intelligence got in exchange for handing over the changeling? We asked for technology to help us uncover cloaking devices. If that weapon is pointed at the Ross, it if is Admiral, my duty for my crew to ask. The technology is not ready yet, but when we have the ability to implement it, all we know is that if this is true, then it may be a correct assumption that Admiral Mendak is in command of that bird of prey, that war bird that's out there. This could cost me my command telling you both this. Starfleet Intelligence doesn't have confirmation on any of this. This is all supposition right now. But there's too many coincidences falling into place. And there may come a time where we're going to have to work in cooperation with the Klingons in order to uncover exactly what the nature of this weapon is and stop Mindak if he's going to try to use it against us. If you have any further sightings, I'll be sure to let you know immediately, sir. Please do. Currently, I have ordered the USS Thunderchild and the USS Johnson, both stationed in the Shackleton Expanse, to report any unusual readings for the very same reason. The USS Thunderchild has not been given specifics as to why, but I have let Captain Navarro know that the Thunderchild is to proceed under high alert until further notice. If you get into a scrap, Sol. Thunderchild is going to be your best bet. Me, sir? But I'm so likable. If there's nothing else, please let me remind you that what I have just told you is supposition, and you have, and you are neither one of you are aware of any of it. It's a guess and I never heard it. Understood. Keep me updated on Wellix's condition. Yes, sir. Enjoy your two weeks, whatever you choose to do, Captain. You've earned it. Thank you, Admiral. It was good working with you again, Azri. Dismissed. 
sir. The two of you leave the office just as you see Mesta stepping back in the door. He pauses and looks at the two of you and just says, enjoy your two weeks. A small smile on the scaly face of the Admiral as he steps past the two of you. Thank you, Admiral. The two of you step out of the Admiral's office and for a brief moment, there's quiet and just the murmur of the Starbase Promenade in front of you. Outside the grand windows to your left, you see the majestic, yesterday massive USS Ross in space dock catching the light of a distant star as she sits quietly and calmly waiting for her command staff to return. Well, Commander, we're in terrible danger of shore leave. How dare you say that, Captain? <laughs> We'd better find new mission parameters immediately. I'm sure our crew will find plenty. I understand now head gestures back at the room we just left i'm glad and i'm glad he has the good taste to know a good commander when he sees one eventually i take some time to grow on people i understand <clears throat> sometimes <laughs> you know I do have at least one idea to kill some time. Let's go find Sprack. <laughs> oh, God. Um, all right. Well, um, if we if we could just for a moment, Jake, if you could take us to yellow alert since the word shore leave was used just now, um, <laughs> I think that would be appropriate. Uh, <laughs> Why do you think I'm searching desperately for missions? <laughs> anything, anything but this is This is the part where we're in Skyrim running around trying to talk to every single villager hoping to find something to do so that we don't have to do the main quest. And then all of a sudden you're attacked by a dragon. Um, uh, all right. <laughs> so, I'm guessing a lot of you return to the USS Ross then. All right. Beaming back aboard the USS Ross, you make your way back to the bridge. Can I ask uh, one question before while we're on our way back? Yeah, of course. Um, do I? I just want to know if I've noticed or felt any um, different hollow presence since the last conversation with Admiral Ever. Um, it's uh, hollow presence. You mean? Do you see any other holographic programs are being more, used? No, uh, yeah. Are are there are there more um, programs running? Are there more mm -hmm. holograms in place? Are there? Yes. Um, in fact, as you as you and Saul are walking through, <laughs> as you and Saul are walking through the promenade, you see holographic waiters serving drinks on the promenade. Um, of different, all, each each holographic waiter is sort of representing a, a different species, but you see them with smiles serving drinks and setting down replicated glasses and whatnot um, and moving about the interior of the cafe. You can see, as you in particular, uh, XEO, can see the telltale signs of hollow emitters very cleverly hidden all throughout the promenade area. An improvement. What's Exio's affect on that, on the way back? Just out of curiosity, walking together, 
studying the person, studying something else. What does Saul see? Well, um, the reason I'm taking in particular note of it um, is I am not wearing my ring. So I have had to walk special paths um, to make sure I'm within range of spe- uh, of the emitters. Um, mm-hmm. And I've noted, you feel a relief, or you would see relief on uh, uh, less calculating. Um, oh uh, yeah, I know no. trying to find the path that avoids the stairs. It's I was gonna energy. say, there's an this accessibility like thing here. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. <laughs> there, the eyeballs are scanning and the ease is present. Right. Yes, um, as you are moving through the promenade area, it, it is a, it is sort of a roundabout way to get back to uh, the transporter room. And it does take you through more populated areas of the station. You are having to maneuver through crowds that are a little off the normal path. These are hollow emitters that, of course, are being used all throughout the station for, like, as I said, the waiters and whatnot, or as... Um, sort of uh, the the Q&A platforms of like, where would you like to go on Starbase 105? You are here, kind of like information kiosks that are available as people are moving through. You're, you're sort of stepping through, going through these hollow emitters. But at the same time, um, your program uh, having been transferred to uh, the station, having been beamed over here and activated on these hollow emitters, um, it's not quite as smooth, Exio. Um, what you've noticed is your program being transferred um, to Starbase 105, it's not as clean because the ring isn't operating with you right now and because you're not directly connected to your mainframe. So as a result of that, you're actually seeing a flickering effect as Exio is moving through as you're walking back to the transporter room. I'm too much to handle, I get it. <laughs> yes, essentially. You have big you boy. on this crew for a reason. Re was smiling about problem officers. Well, I got a whole dang crew full of them. It's perfect. <laughs> um, so the beaming effect moving back to uh, the USS Ross is very much of a, a, a subs- like a data transfer for Exio and a beaming process for the captain. As you were all materialized back onto the transporter pad of the USS Ross, the holographic emitters that are stationed all throughout the Ross, um, which is now, by the way, in this period of Star Trek history, in lore, has become a standard. Um, They all activate. And you see Exio essentially sharpen and define and now looks completely like a normal, living, organic human creature that is just as she's always presented. There's no hint of a holographic, photonic um, technology at work. You see her materialize. And... Exio, it definitely feels like you just put on a shoe that fits as you rematerialize inside the Ross. Yes. <laughs> Good nap. <laughs> Once again. Um, well, should we let everyone know that they have some time off or should we not scare them? You sure they're up to it right now? Can they handle it? According to my evals, definitely some. I want to know what the crew is doing right now. Yes. Whether they can handle it. Switch to them. 
currently the crew is on duty. So it's been a it's been a quiet, frustrating hour on the USS Ross. Everyone has debarked has disembarked and is currently being debriefed. Dominion is no longer on the ship, so there's this collective sigh of just like, oh thank God. But right now, the only noise that's really being made and impatience that's really being expressed is in sick bay. Because there is a doctor that's just trying to get through her duty shift right now, and there's a Ferengi that will not leave her alone, um, asking all sorts of questions <laughs> and sort of following you around, Macrell. Um, Sprack has been just kind of like, you know, I'm I'm a very talented officer. If you need something done, I can I can fix it. I'm I was a daemon. Yes, you, you've mentioned that you are a daemon at least mm, nine times in the past two hours, which is two hours of my time that you have told me that you are a daemon. Starfleet has enlisted, right? I could do some, I could, uh, I could be enlisted, maybe. How long does it take to be a chief? Probably longer than what time you have because obviously you want to go and find your brother as soon as possible mm. and get your ship back and go on your own adventures and do your own trade and just do your own thing he's out there right now yes your brother that you want to catch yes sitting in my chair giving yeah. orders to my crew Making my profits? Yes, you should focus on that, on the part of you finding your brother and taking your ship back far away from the Ross. What kind of, uh, kind of alcohol does Captain Shaw like? Well, uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of, uh, clothing does Captain Shaw like? Or like, what could I give Captain Shaw, do you think, that might influence them to maybe mm, help me track down my brother and kill him. You are asking for my opinion in order for you to help bribe the captain. Yes. Well, unfortunately, we do not have alcohol on the USS Ross, and also- Oh my God, that's right, your federation. Right, right. If you'd like to know uh, a favorite drink of the captain, you might want to go check with our astound bartender. Uh, what's their name again? Oh no, I'm gonna mispronounce it. I have it in my notes. <laughs> Solus. So thank you, because I would mispronounce it. Solish. Yes. Solan. Solon, uh, very good. Um, they would know what beverage the captain would like, but, Sprague, if I could give you some advice, just talk to the captain and ask them and plead your case. You don't need to bribe with clothing or, or beverages. The captain has a good heart. I see. Hmm. But you should go. You should go and talk to to Solus. It's a better idea. I 
obviously don't have the information that you're looking for, so please exit the sick bay and do that. Are you familiar with the rule of acquisition number 59? No, I do not. I do not know many of the rules of the Ferengi. Free advice is seldom cheap. What are you trying to do to me right now? Are you trying to bribe the captain? Are you trying to throw me off the trail? Is that what this is? I slowly uh, pick up my teacup or my mug and okay. like see you can see McCrell's paws are clenched just a little too tight around. <laughs> like small yeah. nails on the chalkboard like noise as you scrape the porcelain and put it to your mouth. Just mmm, <laughs> that's good tea. Breck, <laughs> I am not giving you free advice. In return for my advice, I would like my solitude from you. For right oh, now. Oh, you go. If you wouldn't mind. I not, not that I do not enjoy your company. It is lovely company, yes. Doctor, you I, need to learn to speak up and just tell me to leave. You took way too long to get to your point. Please, look, go. <laughs> he turns and walks past the nurse and says, excuse me, and moves out. Um, you see a young ensign <laughs> on the other side of, of the sick bay. <laughs> As Sprack leaves, um, this nurse, an Andorian, uh, Athier, glances over to you, doctor, and just goes, goes back to his goes back to <laughs> he goes back to typing on the data pad um i go back to work because i was working i really was <laughs> yes you look down at the data pad and you're like well that was an hour and a half of my life i'm not getting yeah. back <laughs> i lost um, two hours and that's two hours that i need two <laughs> more cups of tea for <laughs> so i want to know uh what is lacat doing right now Sorry, I was on mute. Um, so we've just fled from uh, how how you say like at top speed uh, at nine point eight warp, and so I think she is actually just she she's really keeping an eye on those sensors um, because while daily waiting orders to see like what happens next i think that she wants to know uh like i think she's trying to like find that cloak ship and make sure they aren't following them and if they are uh what uh what's going on there she 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 has like personal stakes in this and is like trying not to like step out of bounds of like like jumping the gun or like prematurely like assigning something to herself but like she she wants to make sure that that Romulan Romulan isn't following them because she's like if I was that Romulan I would be following us and I would be tracking our warp trail um so she's got an eye on sensors right now <laughs> that Cardassian blood of yours just like telling you like no our enemy's behind us right now even a space dog he's, he's here he's somewhere um <laughs> like I'm leaving right now <laughs> absolutely not so what you're detecting, uh, LaCat, as you're just kind of 
up on the bridge right now, the brightly lit bridge of the USS Ross. Um, in front of you, the view screen is currently showing uh, the comings and goings of Starbase 105. Lots of civilian ships coming through here. Currently, an Excelsior-class starship is moving uh, medical supplies into the neighboring systems. So you're actually seeing one of these older workhorse-style ships um, from previous generations currently uh, disembarking from Starbase 105. The sensors are not only reading just a bunch of civilian ship and Starfleet ships moving through here, um, it's also detecting uh, the sensor nets that Starfleet uses throughout um, its its sort of boundaries. Mm -hmm. So you're getting pings across, um, uh, kind of across this sector of space right now. Until like reports coming in, checking in with like a sensor buoys that are out in, that are located in the sector. Not difficult to do. As as as, oh. as 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 Starfleet, you can easily access their data logs and find out what they've been detecting. Absolutely. And what you're getting, what's up? No, no, continue. I thought you were done. Um, all you're getting back are spatial anomalies that have been detected. Uh, a couple of comets that have been detected over the uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, Starfleet has detected the movement of a couple of Vorcha class warships inside Klingon territory. It wasn't unusual. Uh, okay. It looks like they were just on maneuvers or perhaps uh, returning for refits. Um, you've detected a bunch of Klingon uh, civilian craft that have been crossing the borders and have been uh, moving throughout the sector. Also not unusual. Um, uh, some Uridian traders have been moving throughout. Not unusual. As you're going through like the list of sensor logs, yeah. um, a couple of solar flares that have been detected. One of them actually wreaked havoc on a Nebula-class starship that was conducting a probe. Uh, operations about half a sector away. Not unusual. On that one goes cool and then keeps scrolling. <laughs> you pause and scroll back and you're like, wow, that was a big flare. Like, yeah, oh, right. sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> scrolling back through. Um, yeah. A couple of gravitational anomalies um, that always get classified and kind of filed away. I mean, out here in deep space, Starfleet is constantly detecting strange and unexplained spatial anomalies that happen with frequency of like every other week you detect something that inexplicably is happening in like subspace and whatnot it gets investigated and doesn't always get answers and you're detect you're seeing it just sort of in the question files as it were sensors detecting what could be anomalies or could be blips um you um detect uh, you you do detect that in the past two weeks a new black hole has been discovered um on long-range sensors um it is uh, it is uh, pretty small. It's be considered a micro black hole. Um, yeah, uh, an advisory has gone up for ships passing through that particular sector, and a science team has been dispatched to study it in the next six months. Yeah, um, um, yeah I think that it's so. So also, Cardassian senses like are telling me that it would be very stupid for like a Romulan ship to like come across us like right here at Starbase One Hundred Five. But like, if you'll allow me, um, what I would like to do is. Um, a, a, a while ago, Jane had set up basically alarms for um, the patterns that she had shown mm -hmm. every like the Romulan ship like uncloaked itself. So you she would like, forward, yeah. alar those alarms and basically like input any new data that she's gotten to like make those better or like upgrade those essentially. So you, you're trying to basically just sort of revisit the alarms you put on the ROS to see if you can update it with the data that you've got? Correct. Okay. It's it's enough that it draws the attention of Lieutenant Commander Prawl. Damn. Who, who leaves his security station and, and moves down the ramp towards your science station at the front of the bridge. Um, and you feel his presence as he comes to stand next to you. Uh, and he he just glances down and he says, cat. Commander. 
Do you want any help? Absolutely. Um, she moves over. Um, you're not mad at me? No, I'm not mad at you. Why would I be mad at you? I don't know. It seems like I'm jumping the gun a little here. I'm a little worried that you might be getting a little obsessed with this, but to be honest, I'd prefer that over complacency. Especially because this guy has been tracking us for a while now. Well, you certainly don't have to worry about me being complacent. I'm surprised. I mean, I'm almost sad that we ran. It feels like a coward's move in so many ways. Because if we had just stayed, we could have faced him and then we have known. I hate the unknowing. And you you know this about me already. <sighs> he glances around and looks over at Vren. Vren is actually completely engrossed in helm operations. And judging from what you're hearing, Vren's talking to somebody. Because he laughs and goes, yeah, I know. I saw that uh, I, I saw that maneuver actually last I'm week. sorry, Vren has other friends. James, put a pin in that. James coming back to that later. <laughs> You're like, I'm bookmarking this. <laughs> Who's he talking to? <laughs> the Andorian <laughs> is having some conversation with somebody on one of the comms on his helm station right now. Yeah. Okay, we're coming back to that later. She pings, like, you see her, like, notice that. And it's like, I don't have time. I'm obsessed. With Animal Crossing, this would be the exclamation mark above your head. Ding! Like, <laughs> um, okay, so, um, so Commander Prawl notices that no one's really listening, and he's like, I know you didn't mean it this way. And as much, before I continue, this is between us, right? Absolutely. The captain pisses me off. <laughs> A lot. Um, the captain still thinks they're an intelligence operative sometimes. Jane cackles. <laughs> you hear just like this dry laugh leave her. Um, and it's not, it's not that she finds it humorous, it's that she finds this whole thing, that she finds it very truthful. Um, yeah. And she says, yeah, your jaw does this thing every time they, anyway. Yeah, humans call, humans call, we have a different word for it on the Trill homeworld, but humans call my appearance albinoism. And the interesting thing about it is that my spots, he points at his jaw and he makes it really easy to tell when I'm clinching. And it's cost me a lot of poker matches, I'm not gonna lie. Good to know. You should join. Uh... No, 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 no. Whatever you're about to say, the answer is no. Let me get to the point. Sure. <laughs> you told me your tell, Prawl. Why would I not try and take advantage of that? Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> My point is, LaCat, as a security officer, as someone who's in charge of this ship, and as somebody whose job is to know the tactical situation that we're in. I liked it when our captain ran. We're not a warship. And whoever's hunting us is certainly a warship. I think Captain Sol did the right thing. I know what you're saying. I know you're not calling Captain Sol a coward. 
You and I both know that ain't true. I don't know a single person in the unit that I served in the Dominion War that would have walked within three feet of a changeling and taken a hit to the chest just so that they could say, I can now fire on them because I was fired upon first. Honestly, I think the captain needs to have some sessions with Exio. But that's... Between us. Yeah. My point is, Lacat. <laughs> I'm like you. I don't like it when I don't know who my enemy is, and I don't like it when I can't see them. So, whatever you're feeling about us leaving, use that and find him for us. So we can blow that bastard out of the stars the moment he decloaks. The literal second. And she goes back to the sensors. <clears throat> uh, and then he stops and goes, but, you know, in a Starfleet way. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Yeah. What? He <laughs> turns and resumes his post at the security station. Um, and at about that point, um, Vryn goes, yeah, I wasn't talking to anybody. I heard every word you two just said. I want you both to know that right now. You guys are awful at this. Like, I want to play poker with both of you. <laughs> um, oh my God. <laughs> wow. Friend, Jane. Uh, Jane laughs. She like actually genuinely laughs. Like Ren pulled one over her eyes for the first time, and like, <laughs> like game recognizes game. Um, <laughs> that is the noise that Captain Sol and Exio are greeted with when the turbolift doors open to the bridge. Is the the sound of the chimed laughter, laughters of Jane LaCat at the science station at the front of the bridge, which actually causes Prawl to look back kind of curiously as he resumes his station and then says, Captain on the bridge. Everyone immediately stiffens as command staff enters the bridge once more. It's always such a reassurance to know that we're a fun ship, that people are just having a lovely time watching their sensors. It reassures one as a commanding officer. Don't you agree, Exio? I completely agree, Captain. <laughs> How's the cat right now? How is the cat right now? Um, back at sensors, and you see her shoulders hunched over. Yeah, head down. <laughs> the kid in class who got caught by the teacher just kind of goes. Yeah, head down. Just gonna just gonna focus on my sensor logs, sir. Busted. Yeah, smooth. Busted. How refreshing. <laughs> Laugh. Please report that the ship is still docked, Captain, Vryn says to you from the helm chair. Excellent. Thank you for the status report, Lieutenant. You're welcome, Captain. Anything else happen while I was station side? There's quiet on the bridge. Um, and at about that point, um, you notice that... Uh, the ambassador is actually sitting in the ambassador chair next to the next to the uh, the captain's chair in the usual space. Um, as you've moved down the ramp, you notice that uh, Ambassador Olin Majanil has been sitting there very quietly, just kind of observing all of this happening. Um, ambassador, it's been a very quiet like past hour or so. 
Um, sitting here on the bridge, it's been actually kind of calming to be in the beating heart of the command, like the command center of the ship, and nothing's going on. <laughs> it's been a nice change of pace for the past couple of days. Um, I think that they've had in their lap this whole time, basically, a data pad, um, probably doing research or something, maybe checking up on correspondence, mostly mm -hmm. just trying very hard not to think about the fact that they never got that last shot at Nadrin and they really wanted it. Um, oh, yeah. There is I, probably You that. robbed me of another conversation with him, okay? You no, nope, we're still docked. Yeah, uh, I say, Nadrin has not left. Nadrin... Good to... Good. We have an entire episode to drag Nadrin and try somehow desperately to find some kind of diplomatic excuse to keep Elkot on the ship. What? Hey... Uh, this is this is sort of the this is the start of the next episode and the epilogue of the previous episode. So, it, really, the the it's the galaxy is your oyster. If you guys want to go back on board, if you all want to have another encounter, if you want to try to to engage with the Dominion a little bit more, like the options are there. They're not departing until tomorrow morning. Good. But yes. <laughs> You're, oh my gosh. <laughs> the 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 reactions <laughs> both of Ravity and and Gina is just like just I'm literally okay. looking at both sides of the coin right now. Uh, but yeah, so Olin has just kind of been quietly, not necessarily fuming, but trying very hard not to think about it. Uh, okay. But also just like, mm -hmm. and I, I think that uh, in response, patience has been kind of like up. And then down, and then up, and okay. then down. Sure. And just like, what the fuck are you doing, Ma? Calm down. Um. All right. So, uh, you guys have the con. Yes. So we do need to call a bit of a meeting before we all together release our crew. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Uh, but then I think they get a little short as a treat. As little as possible. I'll call everyone in. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. And then I lean over from uh, my right to my left, which means we're not going to be undocking anytime before tomorrow morning. I thought I was the empath. <laughs> I lean forward and look at patients whose ears just have not relaxed. <laughs> they are extremely alert. You have a tell. Oh, she does a job well. How fun. So that meeting, Commander, I just, it's like nothing. Just, I didn't say that. Did you hear the captain say that? No one said anything. <laughs> All right. Um, so you call a ship's meeting, essentially, to the ready room? Yeah, senior staff, kind of. Okay, kinda senior staff. Because um, I realized what to do with the two weeks. Sure. Everybody, everybody assemble. It takes about 10 minutes for everybody to gather. Everyone assembles in the, the conference room. As you all gather around this black glossy table, of course you can see um, the sun, the distant sun beginning to disappear behind the horizon of Starbase 105 from the system that is 
far, far away. So it's this little bit of yellow speck of light that's kind of disappearing above this bluish gray hull of the great starbase that's just outside, causing this sort of angelic glow to be cast across the UFP logo just outside the windows. And it's bringing in this beautiful golden light into the, uh, into the conference room itself. Um, everyone assembling, it is a moment where as you, the senior staff, assembles in the conference room, it's a moment where everybody, after everything that has happened, this sort of relaxing atmosphere and seeing a starbase just outside the window being that much closer to home, um, it is enough that I am going to, as, as GM in Star Trek Adventures, I can award myself threat if a situation becomes more and more threatening if red alert is called for whatever reason, or if a ship decloaks, I can actually award myself threat when stakes jump. For the same benefits, um, even though there are plenty of opportunities for players to do this themselves, I'm gonna start implementing a new rule where we have moments like this, and there have no been roles, that in a moment like this, a senior staff is gathering and the scene is set, I'm gonna award all of you one momentum as party's going to gain a momentum as you guys kind of have sort of a morale moment seeing each other gathering around the table and kind of acknowledging that you just completed this mission and you can exhale um no Vorta died yeah we were waiting to do that (laughs) still short uh to exhale yeah so one by one everyone gathers around the table until a silence begins to fall Chairs are scooted closer to the edge, and people await. Well, people, we are now less multiple Dominion passengers. (laughs) We are going to retain our current complement of Trill. Our orders will be to return to Narendra Station and to our mission of exploration and diplomacy throughout the Shackleton Expanse in two weeks. Now. Vryn doesn't do anything to hide. His reaction just goes. You can hear Tech under his breath just go, two. (laughs) (laughs) Tech's first line of the episode. (laughs) Two. (laughs) Now we have options, of course. We could proceed directly to Narendra Station at very, very low warp. We might have to, Captain, as uh, engineering has been working overtime trying to get our power back up. That was that was quite the drain there. But can I just add, Vryn raises his hand, that was awesome. Very fast. It was Captain. very fast. I'm glad you're satisfied. Now, we have the low warp option. We could certainly spend some time at the prestigious Starbase 105. But we have almost two weeks that we don't fully have to account for ourselves. And a Trill friend for whom we need access to some very particular Romulan equipment. Oh, I thought you were talking about Prawl. Sorry, Prawl. I didn't mean anything. Prawl Prawl just looks at him and goes, you can keep your mouth shut when the captain's talking, Lieutenant. And Vryn just goes, yeah, and gets quiet again. So, who's up for a little bit of shore leave? 
no. Um, Prawl kind of throws a knowing glance at you, Lacat, like almost as if this proposition is putting the punctuation on what he was saying to you earlier. Um, and he just says, yeah, I could use some short leave, Captain. Captain, um, so the cat speaks up, uh, and um, you kind of you kind of see her hesitate for a second, which is not something that you usually see Jane do. Um, but but you see her straighten up, and she goes, Captain, um, what was Starfleet's official stance on? Um, the Romulan that is most definitely following us or at least tracking us that they are in fact most definitely around that they were in all probability tracking us and especially given that we're keeping our passenger aboard we have every reason to expect that they might continue and ultimately confront us. Based on limited intelligence we have, that is not what we want to have happen. Particularly not caught with our pants down. So, constant vigilance, I'm afraid. But two weeks of shortly. Dr. McCrell? Yes, Captain. Um, I know that we just dropped off some of our unwanted guests on our ship. However, we also unexpectedly gained another. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, although actually, yes, I am sure you are aware that- Everyone on the ship is aware of Yes, them. of Sprack, yes. Uh, I have taken it upon myself to help plead his case because as of now, I have no choice because he will not leave me alone. <laughs> so, Captain, um, he is one, seeking asylum, and two, would love assistance in us finding his brother, helping him get his ship back, blah, blah, blah. However, only if it is convenient. Um, I'm assuming that he is welcome on the ship. Maybe along the way, if we tend to see his ship, it'd be great. Shore leave. Uh, that seems like a reasonable compromise, and Dr. McCrell, yes. you don't have to let him linger there. We already confined him to the civilian sections of the ship for very good reason. Yes, I think he might, um, d there was a moment where I was trying to distract the guards and it might have given him the wrong idea, Captain. Sometimes I can uh, hell I can be too forward or not actually express myself correctly. You? Whoops. Too forward? Huh. Yes. But I know you are committed to your patient. So yes, if our shore leave can help find what we need to help him. Yes, that would be wonderful. As long as Sprague is out of the way, I just wanted to make sure that you are aware of the circumstances and okay with his staying, as long as he's away from me, so I can focus on Dr. Wellex. Thank you. 
I might be able to help with that. I do believe that he's taken some interest in some of the open spaces in the promenade. Perhaps we could, uh, give him the opportunity to, uh, take advantage of a little bit of business opportunity? Because who knows how long it will actually take to find his brother. At least in the promenade he could be of some use and, uh, possibly out of everyone's hair. Yes, because as you know, he used to be a daemon. Oh yes, I'm well aware. He was a daemon? A progressive one, uh, by the sounds of it. A very yes. progressive daemon. Very good. Then, if there's no further comment, I think we can allow ourselves the rest of the day and night, and then proceed apace to shore leave. Dismissed. Have fun. As everyone is getting up away from the table, Prawl moves over to you, Macrell, and leans in and just says, Doctor? Yes? I heard you handed a changeling their ass with your bare hands. Wish I could have seen that. My hands weren't exactly bare. And then I, I'm going to extend my claws out. Really wish I could have seen that. And with that, he kind of—it's kind of that like that soldier's nod as he kind of moves out of the room. Um, everyone dispersing back to their stations. Um, who would like to take the scene? Like, what would you guys like to do first? I can say uh, that tech, it really has been a stressful time in engineering because I went to check. I was like, oh yeah, well, how much power? Oh, we're down to three out of fifteen. So yeah. <laughs> So, um, so I will say this, that the Ross, what I'm going to go ahead and rule is the Ross has regenerated all of her power. So here's something that I'm going to be implementing. Um, the, the Ross's secondary warp core doesn't, it's not that the secondary warp core gives the Ross even more power. What it does is it definitely allows the Ross to regenerate power faster than a standard starship. This of course comes with the added complication of volatile plasma conduits. There's a lot of power coursing through this starship, a lot. But it also means she regenerates her power base at twice the rate a normal starship does. So moving forward, um, one of the traits, yes, because I've given the, the Ross a trait that she will on occasion have breakdowns, Millennium Falcon style. Like she is a, an experimental piece of technology and every now and then her systems go a little haywire because of how much power and plasma is coursing through her systems um she's got two big hearts she is <laughs> um so as a result of that um she is prone to that but the trade-off um being that you guys uh did use one of your traits to get the plus five power of the secondary reactor what i'm going to do is implement because the ross is so unique i'm going to implement a new trait where she is allowed to regenerate uh two power as opposed to one on the action that would require the ross to regenerate more than one power do you know what i'm saying so yeah. if at, any, at any point tech if you're trying to regenerate power for the ship you'll get two instead of one which i gotta point out is really powerful <laughs> yeah yeah a really powerful ability it keeps you guys in the fight even though you've been burning through your power so 
Um, it's a lot. Um, yeah. But it, it also means that I'm, I'm going to occasionally implement the trait where the Ross has problems. You guys maxed out her warp speed. You actually flew a little past her designated uh, top speeds, and it you you broke the the speed record in which Ross had set during her uh, her shakedown cruise. Um, you proved that the Ross can go faster than they thought she could go yes. by burning the midnight oil. As a result of this, her warp cores are in need of maintenance right now. Yeah. yeah. 9.8 was blasting through space. Um, Galaxy-class starships have been able to achieve warp speed at that at that rate, but they can't sustain it. You guys burned through it. And um, yeah, so the Ross is requiring a little bit of maintenance. Yeah, and I think that it, because there's that potential of breaking down, that mm -hmm. and now we have the time, we're really sitting down to make sure that we've recovered from that burst. Um, okay. But after the meeting, uh, Tech uh, is making his way back towards engineering, but knows that his shift is kind of over. Uh, and they've got enough going. So he's going back to his quarters uh, and is sort of decompressing after the whole thing. So uh, as he walks in, we can see that it's kept it sort of like a dim uh, light setting, but it is pretty much a standard quarters. Uh, and there's a glossy table that's in the center that you can see that there are pieces sort of spread out around it. Mm -hmm. uh, and he walks over to, to his computer uh, and the replicator combo and sort of replicates a new smaller piece and then sits down at the table and tries to sort of assemble things together. Uh, and if you were looking, it looked to, it seems like it's the same sort of canister that was containing the containment field. Okay. But okay. Just throwing that in there that he's off working on a project on his own in his quarters. Okay. So you are <laughs> taking this downtime basically to uh, you. You pretty much right now, whatever whatever shenanigans y'all are about to get up to, you do have twenty four hours to kind of engage in this kind of activity. So. I will say that tech, you do find just the occasional hum of one of your your tools, um, the buzzing sounds, uh, the beeps, um, the steady low roar of the engine cores of the USS Ross, that ambient that we're all hearing right now. Mm. Um, it it brings it, it brings about a kind of peace that. Uh, it's giving you a moment of relaxation that you ha you haven't had since this whole craziness began. And you, there's a moment while you're like working on this project that you kind of, you're being given that. This is my way of like narrating your, like the regeneration of your determination. Uh, yeah, it's a new episode and everything. Like you're mm -hmm. starting to feel a little bit like tech again. Um, yeah. Yeah. And specifically, uh there's this meditative quality to, to putting this puzzle back together after it has been assembled once before. Uh, and there's this, this looking forward to the sense of security by just owning one of these. Okay. Um, real quick, Captain, uh, let me ask you before we cut to a next scene, has word gotten out around the ship that shore leave is incoming? Uh, or that, that they have 24 hours to kind of relax yes okay if so, they're not getting a whole bunch of time right they best take advantage of what they've got okay so the crew's been told they've got roughly 26 hours to kind of relax um immediately the ox crew 
begins to plan how to use that small window of time to maximum effect. Um, when we come back from our break in 10 minutes, I will let everybody know what's going on as the Ross pauses to take a break before engaging in some honkitude. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you in 10 minutes. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Clear Skies. Um, ooh, this is going to be hard. Um, uh, while on our break, we got some news. Um, <clears throat> Uh, we lost somebody tonight in the geek community, and it's it's hitting us pretty hard. So we're actually gonna uh, we're actually gonna call the stream tonight. Um, I apologize so much uh, for uh, for having to call the show. I know this is unusual. Uh, it's it's pretty rough. Um, we just we appreciate you understanding, um, and uh, we apologize. Um, please take care of each other. We will be back, of course, uh, next Monday night to continue uh, this episode. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you guys then. Um, thank you again so much for your understanding and patience. Um, please take care of each other. We love you guys. Um, and with that, we're going to call it. So uh, thank you again. Uh, hailing frequencies closed. <laughs>